0: Thank you for downloading the Green Tech Update. This is the podcast that lets you know about exciting things happening in the green tech world that are changing and will change the world. My name is Lyle Soley-Yates. I do technology for the Nature Conservancy, which is a very large global nonprofit doing important conservation work. Uh, The things that I say, I should say, are not necessarily uh, representative of what the Nature Conservancy views. These are are personal, just my thoughts. Uh, My main interests are green technology, Also, I'm I'm very interested in green living and uh, green policy and and what it can do for us.
1: I'm Carl Sterner. Um, I'm an architect by training and worked a number of architecture firms across the country until a couple years ago um, when I actually moved over to creating software for architects. So now I am a product manager at Sapphira, helping to create software that architects can use to design greener buildings. So my interest is very much on the green building, urban design, transportation side of things. I, uh, I am speaking for myself here and not for Sapphire, the organization content.
0: I I, I threw in one water story because I was, uh, I, I didn't like not talking about it at all. Right. So it's actually a weird story. It's basically, um, yeah, water efficiency—not that important.
1: Yeah, I—I um, I was intrigued, and but I actually haven't read the article that you linked to yet.
0: It's an interesting what one. What was it?
1: What was it? What was this saying?
0: It's uh, actually my colleague at the Nature Conservancy um, did a a big scientific paper uh, looking at uh, I think five different. Um, Cities and this, this is podcast spotter. Hey, we, we could put this, this. This could be content for the podcast right now. Um, so my co- my uh, colleague at the Nature Conservancy um, did a study of I think five different cities uh, in the in the uh, Southwest that are star- kind of starving for water, and figured out okay, well, sure, there's some efficiency things that can be done within the city, but actually when you look at consumption regionally in the watershed, that's negligible, not important. Uh, the big story is what's happening in irrigation. It's all going rural. Uh, so if you're serious about water efficiency, and water conservation, you have to think rural, which was news that's to
1: interesting. me. Yeah. So that makes me, that immediately makes me wonder what sort of innovations are there in the agricultural sector?
0: Me too. Don't know. But I think that's, okay. that's a, a good future uh, area of research.
1: Yeah. Or... Maybe not just innovations in irrigation, but um, innovations in agriculture more generally. For instance, are there yeah. plants that don't need to be irrigated at all, or yeah, uh, no till. Uh, what, what, what is appropriate to be grown in those areas,
0: right? That makes sense. Sort of um, uh, uh, agricultural equivalent of zero escaping, right? And they they do talk in the paper about uh, sort of phasing out low value crops, basically crops that don't give you much money but really really eat the water.
1: Right. Now that makes sense.
0: It does. Of course, my my immediate thought was, well, why why can't you raise prices on on water if if it's all being wasted in agricultural areas? But if apparently that's like a political no go at West. Right.
1: You know, what's, what's really interesting, I was, I was reading an article in Harper's Magazine that was talking about, I think it was an article titled something like Draining the Global Aquarium. It was, it was talking about how a lot of the fisheries uh, in the world are losing populations of fish very rapidly. And this article was specifically focusing on, um, uh, what is the name of the sea? Now I have to go find the article. Um, just off, it's it's uh, just off the coast of Southern California and and Mexico, right in that area, mm-hmm. um, is apparently there's a sea I can't remember the name that is very productive, um, has a lot of the does a lot of the fishing for the U.S. and Mexico, mm-hmm. and they've seen fish populations declining over the last decades, and they started kind of fishing further down the food chain where, you know, the better fish aren't around as much, so they're going down to the next tier of fish and the next tier and the next tier. Um, One of the interesting things that the article mentioned, and the reason why I thought of what you were just saying, was that Mm -hmm. um, apparently, uh, maybe I should go find the article because I don't want to get this wrong, but the, um, the Colorado River used to actually go all of the way ultimately, to the sea. Imagine a river going to the sea. Yeah. Um, And that was actually very critical. It was an important part of the ecosystem in that it would bring certain types of nutrients in. um, And the fact that the Colorado River no longer reaches the sea has, in fact, been part of the problem, Uh, part of the reason, in addition to overfishing and, and a number of other factors, part of the reason why Um, The ecosystem there is not what it used to be. And it it brought up, there was an interesting political component to it, which was that um, the U.S., you know, through various international treaties and things, seems to be very concerned about the sustainability of fishing. They want to limit, you know, trawlers and ban certain fishing practices. Mm -hmm. And they're going, you know, meanwhile, you can uh, feel free to dry up all the rivers and and you're not taking responsibility for that.
0: Okay. It's of it. You you, you, you got to fight the battles you can win. Yeah. So the uh, getting rivers to actually go into the sea maybe too much. Yeah, maybe. That is kind of terrifying, though. I think it's the Sea of Cortez. I could be totally wrong. Sea of Cortez—that's a very famous sea. I want to say a famous biologist uh, wrote a book about that. John Steinbeck. Sea of Cortez. There you go. It's supposed to be great. That was, uh, back when it was, you know, very productive and exciting and a good place for biologists to hang out.
1: Right. So it seems that we have a lot of articles in our list that talk about cars of various types.
0: Yeah, it's very sexy.
1: We have the, the, the Tesla model S, the BMW i3, Mm. this Volkswagen carbon fiber car, um,
0: Uh, nissan was it
1: yeah so there was uh this article is a couple months old um but given that this is the first edition of the podcast um, i hadn't seen you know i didn't get a chance to talk to you about it before Mm -hmm. there there's an article that is about the tesla battery swap oh it's so
0: cool well actually is that tesla that sounds like better world motors
1: Um, This was talking about specifically Tesla Motors um, announcing and demoing in, it looks like, late June, uh, battery swap idea. Cool. And they had had a video of the battery swap being done in, what was it, under 60 seconds, under 90 seconds. 90
0: seconds. That's not bad. Um, Full charge.
1: And they actually had a side-by-side image of someone pulling up to a gas station, right, and Mm -hmm. filling up the tank of gas. And the battery swap actually finished before the person filling their gas tank
0: through the traditional method. That is awesome. So pretty
1: cool. What was interesting was uh, the blog post that I found about it was saying, it was actually a bit critical. It was saying, well, this is a dead end. Because here you have a proprietary system. Is every automaker going to have their own type of batteries and their own um, standards for you know, how these work? Are you going to have to go to a Tesla station versus a, you know, who, who knows, BMW station versus sure. something else? Or a better world. And it was interesting because I, I, I don't really buy that argument,
0: actually. Um, I buy it until it's fixed.
1: Exactly, exactly. Um, Yeah, when innovations come out, nothing is standardized. You know, someone could have said the same about the light bulb when Edison invented a light bulb and other people were working on similar projects. Oh, oh, we're going to have all different light bulbs now. You know, you can't screw one light bulb into the other socket. You're going to have the Edison socket and the, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever else. Um, And they're all different. Oh, it's a nightmare. Yeah, it's a a nightmare. It's never going to work. But in fact, you know, standards do emerge after things start becoming popular, and you know, companies start cooperating, and, and we've seen that happen in a number of different areas, um, in the tech field and, and industry for, for a long time. So I, I don't really see that as uh, see that sort of as a red herring.
0: The exact same thing happened with railroads. They, every railroad company had their, their own width of uh, line, and yeah, when they ran into each other, you had to switch trains, and it was a hassle. Until they fixed it. Yep. Exactly. I like to say
1: that's a good problem to have. Right. Exactly. It's in the category of good problems.
0: Oh, no, we're too popular. The problem is that,
1: yeah, <laughs> the electric cars are so popular, and, and now you have multiple electric car charging stations everywhere with different standards. That's. Um, I'll, I'll be glad to see that problem. And besides, that's, that's actually such an easy problem to fix. The problem of standards, that's something we've done before.
0: Oh, we know time. how to we know how to do that. Our, fr- yeah. our friends at uh, it, the International Standards Organization. Exactly. I like The Verge's coverage. It's much more positive. In general, they're very positive. I like that. What's that? Uh, in general, the The Verge has a very positive tone on things. I, I appreciate that.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it's good to see. It's good to see what the uh, well, it's good to see what the criticism is too, though.
0: I'm hearing good things about the superchargers too, though. Apparently, that affects battery life, which expensive battery
1: Mm -hmm. yeah definitely so i can't help but think as we're talking about all of these uh electric cars and high performance cars Mm -hmm. i always think to myself yeah but that's you know is is that really the solution um, no. isn't the solution better urban design, better cities. You can meet the needs of access and accessibility without requiring individual cars, individual vehicles. So I was interested to see, uh, uh, you, um, you brought up a couple articles about people not driving cars, yes. this idea of, of, of car cutting that you were, you, I think as you called it, yes. um,
0: what, what is that about? So this is very exciting to me. We um, since two thousand and seven in the United States, the you know, with our our love affair of cars, um, we are driving less. Uh, vehicle miles traveled VMT start start seeing VMT is going down in the United States. Um, and the original story, what people were saying is, oh well, it's because the economy is not doing well. People aren't uh, you know driving for fun. They're 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 not commuting as much. They don't have jobs. They're just sitting in the basement crying. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, that, some of that is true. <laughs> yeah. um, but also, uh, just young people don't want don't to drive. They want to live in sort of nice, bohemian, urban areas near restaurants with their friends, having a, a good, comfortable, healthy life, um, like the people they see on television or read about online. It's a, the American experience is changing uh, to be more like the experience in, in other countries, actually. We're, we're getting more normal which is exciting to see. Uh, our culture is changing.
1: Yeah. No, you're right. That, that 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 is exciting and that I think is much more promising. Uh in in certain ways. Yeah, and and you also pointed out um or you posted some links that that talked about apps in the green tech world that are helping, to pe- helping people live car-free lifestyles. Yes. Um, so like in, in New York, uh, here in New York, the MTA recently induced, introduced this bus time idea where you can actually, there's an app where you can uh, you know, start checking to see when the buses are coming. Right. Uh, I don't think it's for all routes and all lines It's yet, um,
0: but it, it's starting. That's fantastic. In in Charlottesville, we have actually two competing uh, apps because we have two competing bus systems. So again, we have some standards issues, but uh, it's very <laughs> exciting to see.
1: That's cool. I, I this isn't exactly. Uh, I, I don't know if this exactly fits in with the picture, but in New York, people are also um, waiting eagerly for an app that lets you hail a cab. Uh, from, Uber.
0: I forget that. What's that? Uber. Yeah. It is sexy. We don't have one in Charlottesville yet. It's in D.C. People love it. It's very very much like a, a luxury cab experience, um, um, but pretty great. And people rave about it. I, I really want to try it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Speaking of alternative transit, uh, here in New York, so this summer they launched the City Bike program.
0: Yeah. Can you talk about that? I've never really experienced that. Yeah, so they.
1: I first uh, when they first launched it, you, you saw these uh, large bike racks start occupying former parking spots um, all over the city, um, and you, you, you can basically go and you can either you can buy a mem- membership and be a member of the city bike program, in, in, in which case I believe you can sort of go and use the bikes whenever and wherever you like, or you can uh, sort of purchase a ride. Um, so there's kiosks next to all of these uh, different bike stations where you can just go, use your credit card, um, buy a ride on a bike. And you can go, and as long as you you have to bring it back to any other city bike station uh, anywhere in the city. And they're all over. I mean, you, you start walking through New York, and you'll realize how many of these uh, places there are. So it's actually pretty easy, uh, Hmm. to take a bike and ride it somewhere else. I think they got the idea right because they got the implementation, right? Hmm. Because with something like that, there's a critical mass. Like if you don't have enough bikes and enough stations, it's not really going to work out so well because you're not going to be able to drop the bike off near where you're going or, you know, it's not reliable. It's not consistent. Right. And so they did, they implemented it on a really wide scale to start out with. And I have seen these bikes. I feel like now I see more city bikes than I see just other kinds of bikes. I don't know if that means that there are a lot of people who are riding more or a lot of people who are, have just retired their personal bicycle because, Hey, now there are these city bikes. I don't have to, you know, lug it up into my New York apartment on the fifth floor. Right. I can just go outside and, you know, grab one of
0: theirs I mean yeah per, per per person having a bicycle for every single person in your apartment that's a commitment if uh, space is at a, a premium
1: it is plus you gotta you gotta take it up and down stairs and mm. you have to maintain it I mean I'm sure there's some bike enthusiasts who absolutely love that but sure for me I just want I just want some place to get me from point A to you know something to get me from point A to point B
0: same and I mean, if, if we're talking bicycles, we're already saving so much money that you know, you know what I'm saying? Like it's it's so yeah. much cheaper than even even taking the bus. That. Right.
1: Well, you you would think so. Um, the city bikes, I think, are a bit pricey in New York. Really? I think I think by I think renting a city bike for like a single ride, let's say should be on the range of a bus trip or a subway twi- trip. So somewhere in the range of you know, 225 250 I think that, that would be okay. reasonable. Um, in fact, uh, let me actually check out the pricing. So the annual membership is about $100 a year. Um, okay. A 24-hour pass, which is the shortest amount of time that they have, is nine ninety five, so $10. Um, okay, I feel like tourists. Right. But that's the that's the minimum pricing. Um so in other words, you can't just grab a bike and uh you know pay two twenty five or something and go across the city. The minimum you're gonna pay is ten dollars. And so unless you're going to be making multiple trips in a day, it's some it's it's a little steep. It's sort of like I well, I could take a subway or maybe even a cab, depending on where I'm going. Right. That price,
0: but I'm sure for some people who are just scooting around in, in some places where you know not not all the the lines are necessarily in the most convenient places, I, mean, I could see it there there being some use. Clearly, people are using it. Oh yeah, definitely, people are absolutely using it. The uh, yellow cab here in Charlottesville actually um, just updated. They're uh, phasing out their old caddies and moving to uh, 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 Priuses, and they've got this um, Magic Cab app where you can just. Hit, hit the thing and say okay come pick me up and they send a cap and they pick you up you can pay with your, your phone or they, they charge a little extra money so it's a little cheaper to pay in the cap but pretty great.
1: Cool, that's that's pretty cool.
0: I think all of this is moving towards uh, self-driving cars that's, that's, that's my big uh, one of the things I'm really excited about right now uh, based on Google's technology and, and Nissan's also doing this which uh, I, I, I seriously do think is going to change the way that personal transportation works in among those who depend on cars and can't use transit or bicycles. That's interesting.
1: Self-driving cars. Do you think people are going to actually trust that?
0: (laughs) Yes. Yes, I do. I think a a minority are going to be really excited about it and then it'll become normal. Um, Nissan is saying they're going to have it out by uh, 2020. Uh, A bunch of other companies are working on it. I mean, Google's already doing it. Um, mm-hmm. Although it's expensive, the LiDAR. Um, although apparently that's coming down now. It's like, I'm, I'm hearing $1,500 to add the LiDAR onto a car, which, I mean, people do more expensive things with stereo systems. Yeah. Well, that's people- interesting. I think so. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going yeah. to happen with parking. Uh, you know, okay, go away, <laughs> go park. With uh, personal right. ownership, you know, you don't need to own a car. You can just, oh, okay, car, come get me. Okay, great. So supposed to. Yeah, I, I,
1: I, exactly. How, how do you see that fitting into the other trends that you were seeing, like car sharing? Um, and I don't know, does it fit in or, or how, how might it fit in?
0: I think it makes, I think it's the killer app for car sharing. I think it makes personal ownership of cars kind of crazy and weird. You're like, really? You want to pay to have a car sit there? Weirdo? <laughs> like it, it's just, it, I think the whole culture is going to say, "Oh, that's really wasteful and dumb." Like, why would you want to own a car and just have it sit there? Like, do you, do you just have too much money? Is that the problem? Can I have some?
1: Right. No, I, I wonder if you'll just see everyday people, you know, go say, "Okay, car," right. um, You know, go <laughs> go make me some money.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, if, if they do own it, sure which I think is exciting to see, and I think it's going to destroy the, the market for parking uh, in cities, which I'm okay with.
1: That's re- so th- this is all really interesting, I, and I wonder how this comes together with the smart grid stuff. Because yes. I was listening to Amory Lovins' talk mm-hmm. uh, th- that we were talking about earlier.
0: Reinventing Fire?
1: Yeah, Reinventing Fire. Um, and I, I think he mentions it in the TED Talk, um, plug-in autos are actually a key piece of um, the renewable energy infrastructure as as he's envisioned it, as RMI has envisioned it. Mm-hmm. Um, because of the load balancing aspect, um, the load balancing potential, essentially they, they, were, they would use the batteries of electric cars to help smooth out the peaks and valleys that would come with um, a renewable energy grid. So smart. Now, it's not the only thing that would smooth out those peaks and valleys. I mean, they've shown that just having many different kinds of renewables, wind, solar, others, um, and distributing them geographically, that in itself smooths out those peaks and valleys. Yes. Um, but having the, the plug-in cars also does that. Um, but they're still thinking of the model of plug-in car where it's not being used for the better part of the day. Oh, um, true. Where actually it it can sit there and sort of be a passive sink or give back to the grid if needed for most mm-hmm. of the day. Um, I wonder how that equation changes if you're right and the self-driving cars actually propels a much greater use of, of car sharing and non-ownership, where the cars
0: are actually utilized a greater portion of the day. True. Although even still, we're, the overall demand for transportation is really uneven. We're talking about a peak in the morning, not so much in the af- in, in in the middle of the day. Then another peak in the afternoon. So even if oh, these things true. are being used as much as possible, we've still got some downtime. That's true. And I'm interested to see what's possible with uh, uh, popping solar on there. I, I've, I've been hearing good things about uh, solar on the Prius. It'll um, it, it it won't charge the battery currently, but it will uh, kind of keep the car cool and 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 comfortable. So when you when you go in, it's very, very nice. You don't, I, I have an all, all-black interior uh, in my car when I drive it because I'm smart. Uh, so it's nice and toasty in the summer. <laughs> um, but apparently Priuses are not this way if you've got the solar option.
1: How is that? It, does it, does it keep, uh, keep the air conditioning on when you're not yes, in it?
0: Yes, exactly. How does this work? Because it, huh. it, it has the energy. and might as well use it. It's finding ways to waste energy. What a wonderful problem.
1: You you're saying that it doesn't use it to charge?
0: It's not not currently. Not currently. Though
1: it seems like it could. Yeah. I wonder if it's just not um
0: not enough energy or not enough I, power. I suspect that's it. Although that will get better. Solar tech is always getting better.
1: Solar tech is getting better and the cars themselves are getting better and the batteries Think and the charging systems are getting better.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, and
1: they'll intersect pretty quickly. Yes.
0: Uh, something I, I didn't uh, pop on here because it's it's not, there's no big recent news, but graphene batteries are looking very, very exciting.
1: I'm not familiar with them.
0: It's cool tech. It's based on uh, buckyballs, um, a nanotech uh, carbon ro- carbon rods kind of mushed together. Uh, very exciting. Very expensive currently.
1: Yeah. Richard Smalley. I actually got to see Richard Smalley speak years ago when he was still alive. I think in two thousand three, I heard him talk. Um, he is the guy who um, became famous in part for uh, buckyballs. Yeah, um, I, I, I think discovering them, finding finding them out. Um, Great name. And he was he was convinced. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he uh, had a hard time living that down. Oh. Huh. Um, but he was convinced that the solution to the, a lot of the world's problems was energy. He actually thought that you could solve a lot of other problems, um, water, uh, food, poverty, through, through energy, and that renewable energy was really the key um, to solving that because you have so much of it. True. Um, you know, he was starting at the macro scale of how many terawatts of energy are hitting the of solar energy are hitting the earth every day. Um, so it was uh, it was an interesting talk. It was an interesting mm. talk. I I remember asking him at the end of it, um, I asked a question and I said, you know, to what extent is it a technical problem where we just need to figure out how to provide more energy? Um, and to what extent is it a, a, a cultural problem Yes, where we have an economic system in which we've assumed unlimited growth and expansion. And if that doesn't happen, in fact, the whole economic system doesn't work. Um, and we actually just need to uh, rethink that and come up with a culture where we can actually be happy with what we have. Because we do have quite a bit already in fact at least
0: at least those of us in the united states do it, it's true the united states is doing well and a, a, a lot of good things are happening globally it's uh, yeah. stuff is is not even but uh there's, there's lots of good stuff happening so we talked a little bit about self-driving cars i i, I am very excited also the uh, south korea has figured out uh, smart roads that actually see oh there's a bus driving on the road have some electricity bus i see that your your battery is smaller than it it needs to be to run, just have, to have some electricity, and just wirelessly charges the bus. So you don't need that big, stupid battery, big, heavy battery, big, expensive battery. Right. You just get power as you go. And, and no uh, overhead line, That's ugly. Very simple. Yeah, I was looking at that
1: article. I was trying to figure out the technology that was being used there.
0: From looking at this, it looks like it's, it's the same. It's Tesla's old, uh, Nik- Nikola Tesla's old... Um, wireless power charging uh, that is now being used um, for uh, wireless charging for, like, smartphones and such, those little pads. It's that same tech, Mm -hmm. which is not 100% efficient because it is moving over the air, but it's pretty darn efficient in short range. It's using magnetic fields, right? Something like that? Uh, Electric fields, but yes. Electric fields. Electromagnetic fields. Mm -hmm. Let's compromise. (laughs) Yeah, there was there was only
1: one thing in that article that uh, made me um, slightly uneasy, where it hmm. said something about... So it was talking about the technology. It was saying power comes from electrical cables buried under, under the surface of the road, creating magnetic fields. And there's a receiving device installed on the underbody of the bus, in this case, um, that converts those fields to electricity. The thing that I was wondering about was actually... Uh, it says that the, the the whole system complies with um, whatever standards, um, health standards for internet for electromagnetic fields, um, and it said that it is within the margin of safety level for human health, um, mm-hmm. and that wording made me slightly nervous because I was thinking to myself within the margin of safety that um, <laughs> doesn't sound too reassuring. I'd rather someone tell me that, uh, you know, it's, uh, perfectly safe and not going to hurt anyone at all. That's a difficult claim. Um, You can't say that about tap water. That's true. That's true. On the other hand, it's, it's, uh, I, I, you know, you, you just kind of, I I worry sometimes we dive into these things without having studied the long-term health effects potentially of uh, Um, exposing ourselves to, uh, such things.
0: It sounds like you're talking about some sort of a cultural idea of um, being very cautious about uh, new ideas. Uh, this has a, a name that I'm, I'm completely blanking on.
1: Yeah, the principle. precautionary
0: principle. Yes. yes. Uh, it might take some while, a while for that to get adopted in tech. Not seeing that coming soon.
1: What the precautionary principle? Yes. No, it's not going to come from tech itself. That's something that would come from governments.
0: Yes, yes.
1: Who are regulating the tech.
0: The challenge with that is that uh, governments are constantly uh, looking back and going, oh, tech can do that? Oh. (laughs) True. Back on uh, car cutting, uh, I mentioned a a few handy things that I've certainly found useful. um, Backing off on driving, I'm doing more, more bicycling and really liking it. Uh, some mm-hmm. three things, all all sort of appy app based uh, bus tracking. You know, sometimes it rains and you don't want to ride your bike. It's nice to know where the bus is, so you don't have to wait forever and realize, oh, actually, it's a holiday that I didn't realize the bus isn't coming. It's nice to know these things. Yeah. Um, and knowing when you'll get there, and eh, that's good stuff. Um, the, the which is very very fragmented. Uh, Google Transit has some of it, but it it is it depends on what your um, local government is doing. A lot of them have sort of odd one-off apps, and you have to contact them to find out. But uh, whichever way they're doing it, pretty great. Um, Second, uh, weather apps, there's a lot of good ones. Yahoo has a nice, very very pretty weather app. Personally, I love Swacket. uh, Sweater or jacket. Um, (laughs) It's fantastic. And uh, it's just, you just, it's very simple, it's very clean. You look at it, and you're like, oh, I should be wearing a jacket. It's going to be windy. It's just just a, a very simple way to understand, okay, this is what I should be wearing to be comfortable outside.
1: Yeah, that's Crucial. very helpful. Biking, walking, or using public transit, it's good to know.
0: And that's it for now. Very uh, vehicular, very transportation e. And actually, I think we're going to be doing more of that. We're going to be talking about the Elon Musk's great Hyperloop idea next time and hopefully get some engineering support so we can really know what we're talking about next time. All right, thank you so much. Talk to you next time.